Well, today we're starting a new series uh, in the uh, Old Testament prophet book called Malachi, or as the Italians like to claim, Malachi. Um, now, uh, I thought it would be good to start with a little bit of audience participation, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about how do people model to others that God is number one in their life? So how do people model to others that God is number one in their life? This is not the same as how does someone become a follower of Jesus. So we're not thinking about that so much. But once someone is a follower of Jesus, then how would they show others around them that God is number one in their life? What sort of life choices would reflect that God's number one? So interested in hearing your thoughts about that. And so uh, if you've got a suggestion, I'll try and write it up in a colour that we can kind of see. So what sort of things? I see that hand at the back. Yep. Love and integrity. Yep. Grace towards other people. So love and integrity, grace towards others. Yep, Paul. Compassion. Yep. Forgiveness. Uh, peace, as in uh, inner peace or like for a person or... Okay, so um, yeah, being yeah, being a peacemaker or yep, yeah, uh, or yeah. Okay, um, now honesty and okay, hospitality. Welcome, honesty. Yep, uh, we've got Campbell, hope. Yep, Salida, charity. Yep, because you think about all these other things. How many people can have not a relationship with God? and still show all of these things. Yeah, so time with God. Yeah, that's, I reckon that's a pretty good one, to show that God is number one. Now, that's my shorthand for God, um, sharing the gospel, telling others that you're a Christian. Yep, yep, sorry, yes. Lorraine, what's that? Be a good listener. Yep, okay. So, when you've got a decision to make, that you pray and you God's will in the decision, so... Anything else uh, right on the far side? Action. So any particular action? Okay, so that comes back to kind of like the integrity thing. So um, action and follow through. Yeah, so part of the following God. Yep. Okay, putting word of God. Okay, so would that be like obedience? Yep. Okay. So obedience to the word of God. Yep. Teaching people about prayer. Yep. Okay. Right down the very back, consideration and empathy. Okay, all right, so consideration and empathy and one last one. Okay, yep, so, yeah, so have, having God as a part of everyday conversation. Yep, all right, so I'll just pop that to one side for a moment. It's amazing, they're great answers and for a lot of people that couldn't give a hoot about God, they can still do a lot of those. But some of those things are very specific, very unique to being um, a follower of Jesus and what that means. So take a moment um, to think about those words. So we've got love and integrity, grace towards others, compassion, forgiveness, peace as we live with others, honesty, hospitality and welcome, hope, acknowledging God in conversations, praising God, charity, time with God, sharing the gospel, being um, explaining what it means to be in, being a good listener, um, seeking God's will, decisions that we make, actions and follow-through, so actually being a bit of your word, obedience to the word of God, teaching people about prayer and consideration 
and empathy. So there might be one of those things that sticks out for you a little than some of the others, but try and tuck that away and make a mental note of that for a little bit later. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Malachi, then let's find its place in the Bible. And also, my prayer is, not only that we find out its place in the Bible, but in history, but my prayer is that we'll also find the message of Malachi, that it will find a place in our hearts and our lives as well. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to switch them on or turn to the book of Malachi. Now, the message of Malachi found itself at the end of the Old Testament. Now, the easiest way to find Malachi is to go to the table of contents, find the page number and then flick to that page. Or if you want to go to Matthew, it's the book before Matthew. So Matthew in the New Testament, the first gospel, um, Malachi is the one. Now, the reality is that we know diddly squat about Malachi. We really don't know much about him, the person who brought this message to God's people. Now, the word Malachi in him means my messenger or messenger. And who this messenger was and any other further information about this person really does elude us and it would be more about speculation. However, the purpose of Malachi's message... So, let's do a quick history lesson. After King Solomon died, the Israelite nation split into the north tribes um, and they were revolting against Solomon's son Rehoboam. Only the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, the northern tribes sinned time again and it ended up being uh, pushed, uh, punished by God through the Assyrians who conquered them and scattered them amongst the rest of their empire. Roughly speaking, that's where the Samaritans come as a result of the northern tribes being taken captives by the Assyrians <coughs> pardon me, and scattered or intermingled, interdispersed, sprinkled amongst all the other the nations that they captured as well. And that was their way of dealing with, with the different captives that they would have. They would take over a nation, they would capture a nation, and then they would spread them out across all the other land that they captured. Then if they captured another nation, they'd spread them out as well. So, it was, so you didn't have a huge group of the one tribe or the one people group there that would cause trouble because they were all intermingled. The southern tribes lasted a little bit longer, but they were also conquered. Once again, the southern tribes were largely taken by mass back to Babylon where they were held as captives for about 70 years. After uh, Babylon fell to Persia, the Persian king Cyrus supported the captives to go back to their homeland. It seems as though King Cyrus was hedging his bets with all the other gods that might have been around and he thought, well, the best way to get in with all the other gods that are around is if I return the different people back to their homelands and give them a little bit of cash in their pockets so they could go and, and rebuild their temples, then their God will be happy with me and it will go well with my reign. The Jews could return home, but they would remain under the control of the Bible. So in addition to Malachi, the other Old Testament books that relate to this period that we're looking at are the books of Ezra. And So around 538 BC, we read in Ezra, Ezra 1.1 and Ezra 2, that about 40,000 people, start returning to resettle their capital and the surrounding region. In March 1515 BC, 23 years after their return, we read in Ezra 15 that uh, that after much anguish, the temple that was destroyed, then in October 5 BC, 93 years after their return, 
in Nehemiah 6.15, we read that despite opposition, the walls of the capital drew. The call of Malachi was given around 40, around 108 years after their return, and around the same time in Nehemiah chapter 10 through to chapter 30. It is unfortunate that it took less than 100 years for the people to fall back into some of their old habits and that Yahweh God once again. So let's read from Malachi chapter 1 verse 1. I'm reading from the New Testament. Malachi chapter 1 verses 1 through to 4. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert place for jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruin. But the Lord of heaven's arms, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wisdom and their people will be... When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, the Lord's greatness reached far beyond. In the days of Malachi, God's people showed their love by God, uh, to God in worship. However, for the Israelites, they believed that God had failed them. And so they called God's love into question. The Israelites had expectations of God and God had failed to deliver, to um, live up to those expectations. Rather than returning from their time of captivity in Babylon, victorious at the hands of the Messiah who tramples on other nations, they return to war ravaged, a destroyed temple. They are vulnerable. They are taunted by their neighbours and they are still under foreign. They were suffering from plagues and pests in, and then almost as if to rub salt into their wounds, there were the stories. The stories that were told when things were better. Ezra 3 verses 11 to 13 puts it like this. With praise and thanks they sang this song to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundations of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites and other leaders who had seen the good old days, wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundations because it was tiny in comparison. The others, however, were shouting with joy. The joyful shouting mingled together in a loud noise that could be far in the distance. Those who had previously been involved in leading God's people dismissed the current um, reasons to celebrate. They remembered the good old days with rose-coloured glasses, forgetting that if the good old days were that good, then they would have never been into exile for 70 years. However, over time, the contempt towards God grew and the questioning of God's love and favour for him to the point where Yahweh God has had a gutful and called the people on their behaviour and their attitude. God breaks into their grumbling. I have all, says the Lord. But as quick as a flash, the people retort, really? Really? How have you loved us? Really? You, you say you love us. Have you seen what's going on? How we are struggling? We're a laughing stock. You promised so much, God, 
and you deliver so little. And in verse 2, this is how I show. I loved your but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated. I turned. Yahweh God responds by reminding his people that they are a part of a continuing story. We've just come through a series of God's story, our story, and how God is at work in the story and how he continues in our story today. God reminds the people back in Malachi's day that he has been a part of their story. Way back when Isaac's eldest boy, my favourite, bypassed to the youngest. And for the next few thousand years, God declares, Jacob's to whom you are, have experienced my I have a fire in my belly, guys, a debt of unquestioned, passionate love that is just as true today as when I chose Jacob. And when descendants of the Edomites scoff at your, when they did vile and terrible, let me assure you, you will see their destruction and you will know that I am God and my love for you. For us today, of being like that, when we're going through a time of praying, a tough time, when things don't turn out the way we think, we can look back to the good old days or we can hear stories of the good old days and be deceived that the best is behind us. Those who can remember can be seduced by believing that God has left us, that he no, had, uh, his love is no longer. But Malachi's message is just as much a message for us today in 2008. God loves you and time is not a proof of a denial of God. Proverbs 3.12, Hebrews 12.5-13, and John 15, that God disciplines those that He... Well, it's not necessarily in God lovingly does His for our benefit. And that will us as a church, because God is not finished. If we sit to God's will, then the best. But Malachi also puts out the call of a challenge to God's people. The call to give God your best. We're going to read uh, Malachi uh, chapter, uh, verse one, chapter 1, verses 6 to one, 8 and to 14. And then I'm going to come back to verses 9 and just jump around. Just so let's continue from verse 6. The Lord of heaven's army says, A son honors his father and a servant respects. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. But you ask, How have we ever shown contempt? For your name. You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defiled them by saying that the altar, when you give blind animals as a sacrifice. And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled? In Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased, says the Lord, then skipping over to verse 12. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food and by saying it's all right to defile the Lord's temple. You say, it's too hard to serve. And you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and kicked are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings cursed, who promises to give a fine ram but then sacrifices a defective one? For I am a great king. My, and my name is God's spill, uh, the basis, the foundation of a loving covenant relationship. A commitment of mutual love where God's people should have desired to honour and respect their God. He draws his example from human relationships of everyday life. 
a sustained behaviour uh, that drew from the relationship of a son, a relationship of a son that would uh, be shown towards a father or an employee would show an employee acknowledging their importance, their authority. But rather than treating God with at least the same respect, the priests instead show contempt for the way they approach and bring people's sacrifice. You see, people would regularly travel to Jerusalem to offer their work to their, their sacrifice to God. But when they came, rather than the priests showing honour and respect to God, they acted as if they were just going through the motions of and some expectations that the priest, um, of what the priest should draw. This is what a priest does, so yeah, let's just go through the motions. They would put more effort into their weeklies with their boss than their worship response. For them, more of an ink than anything else. They complained too hard. And they saw, and God saw their behavior for what it was, contemptible. And a defilement of what worshiping. But Malachi's call to give God our best was not just directed at the priest, but also in the days of Malachi, worshippers of Yahweh God, based on Leviticus chapter 22, 22, where we read this, you must not offer an animal that is blind, crippled, that has oozed at skin sores or scabs. Such animals must never be on the altar as special to eat an animal like that in your own home was one thing. You know, if it had a broken leg and, and or it had you know a bit of a, a weird looking ear or that sort of thing, and and it was no good to breed from, and you wanted to eat it at your dinner table, then that was one thing. And God said, "Hey, that's that's okay." But when you bring an offering to me, and the way you bring these animals to me that are defective, that are uh, broken, injured, and just second class animals. And you bring them to me and you, you expect me to be grateful as a part of that? So let's give it a bit of a modern twist. Let's see things from God's perspective for a moment. Imagine that you love going out. For some, easier than others. But imagine nonetheless. Imagine that you're at a popular restaurant. And while you're there, you see them as they pull them or out of the fridge. They're out of date. And the meat came from diddled animals. Then... When they were cooked by staff, they snubbed their noses at food hygiene and storing things at the right temperature, cooking it correctly with washed hands. Well, I have time for that, that's not And the staff at the counter barely ignore your presence. And while serving you, they're busy on their phones, they're pulling them out. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're busy on Snapchat or whatever else it might be, Facebook. And, and they treat you as such an... Ing- the food that they cook is just chucked together unceremoniously slapped onto a plate and shoved. And when you show the they call you ungrateful. Would you feel as though you were being feel valued by Well, in a manner of speaking, that's what the Israelites were doing in their worship of God. And the priests, those that should be standing up for God, were letting them get away with it. Rather than calling the worshippers on their behaviour, they were actually joining in with those who were meant to lead. We're allowing the culture of worship to become eroded to the pull of Malachi. Let's continue in Malachi chapter 1. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of, uh, ask the Lord of how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices would. I am not pleased with you, and I will not accept your offerings. But 
but my name is honoured by people of other nations from morning till night. Around the world they offer sweet instant pure offerings in honour of when my name is great among the nations. The people come to God in worship, treat God with contempt by the way they behave. They want favour from God. They want God to answer their prayers. They want God's blessing in their everyday life. And rather than showing honour to God, the gifts they bring are broken. It's happened once by mistake, but it's a pattern of behaviour. So how does the Lord of heaven, uh, heaven's armies respond? I am fed up with this. I've had it up to here. I, how I wish someone, just someone, would have the guts to go to the temple doors and close them so that these worthless sacrifices would, could not be offered. I am not pleased with you and I will not accept your offerings. Don't think for a moment that you have me, Yahweh God, over a barrel, that I need your offerings to survive. I'm not dependent on your offerings for my existence. You are the ones who miss out because of your behavior, not me. I want to be in, in your life. I want to do things in your life. Things in and amazing things through you. But if this is how you treat me, then I will look elsewhere. I will work through other people and they will be blessed and the benefit of their relationship. In verse 11, but my name is honoured by people of other nations from all around the world. They offer, for my name is the call of Malachi to God's people to honour and respect him and to bring God their best. To do it now, even when, t- not to wait until things. As a church, we have a value that, if we're honest, has at times been more just work than an attitude, deepening spirituality. God is spirit and we respond to God a deep, empowering relationship, spiritual relationship with That this is a transformative process where God invites us to actively engage in a conversation and discover God as he meets with us through spiritual practices. Individually, but then also as a faith community. We read about some of these examples of what it means to have in John 4, Romans 8, Galatians 5, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5. So for us today, when we come to worship God, what do we bring? When it comes to us today, when it comes to showing that God is, how do we live? You know, the call of Malachi, recognizing how our God is and to act. We went through the process before of having a whole range of different words that we said would be examples of God. Words like love and integrity, grace towards others, compassion, forgiveness peace, hospitality and well, acknowledging God in com- time with God, sharing the God in explanation of what it means, seeking God's will in the decision-making, actions about prayer, consideration. Um, imagine a church who modelled this to the world around. It would take sacrifice, absolutely. And sometimes it would even take sacrifice where we would have to give up some of those things that we like to do, even love to do, because we love God. It takes discipline. Not based around duty, but coming out of Love and appreciation for all that God has. As we respond to the call of Malachi, I've posed a few questions. Which of these worship behaviours, these things that we see as putting God as number, resonates most? Is God offered you? Do you bring to Christ's body, the church, your best work as you serve? Or is coming to worship with something that we do? 
for Matt, myself, for pastors, for, for church leaders? How do we model what it means to knowing how much God has always loved you? We're going to have some music played. I'm going to encourage you to pull out those and prayerfully respond.